Welcome everybody to the Connected Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sprague. Uh, for all of you, this is your first time to the show. The Connecting Construction podcast is all about exploring uh, the construction industry and what's new and cutting edge. We set out to speak with industry veterans and innovators to learn about such things as modernization of construction, the workforce evolution, crucial, di- crucial digital transformations, sustainability, technological advances, uh, and much, much more. This week's guest was Chris Hussey from DAFCON Digital. Chris and I have known each other for years. We've been known to geek out from time to time by talking about the future of construction technology or just technology in general. This week's episode was no different than our normal conversations. So those of you that like to nerd out on what is possible with construction technology, digital twins, or even the metaverse, well, this episode is definitely going to be for you. Even more interesting is that Chris shared with us some stories from customers that are making the future a reality right now. Well, enough of this preamble. Let's get to the show and the conversation with Chris. All right. So, hey, Chris, thanks so much for for joining us today. We're really excited to have you as a guest on the Connecting Construction podcast. Um, uh, As I mentioned to you all just previously, our guest today is uh, Chris Hussey from GAPCON Digital. Um, So I'm not going to do a disservice by hacking uh, uh, the introduction and the biography and the background uh, of this this fine gentleman. So Chris, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, what you do at GAFCON, and what your passions are within construction. <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, I'm Chris Huzzy. I'm the I'm the sales side of the puzzle for GAFCON Digital. So I handle the uh, I handle the sales side. Let's just put it that way. It's um, Matt and I used to work together back at eBuilder. So um, for the last, let's say, let's let's go back 22 years. So for in the early 2000s, I used to sell very high-end engineering software, which was used to do um, analyses on moving pieces, so cars and things like that nature. What we figured out, what I figured out about two years ago is what we were doing back in the 2000s is we were actually creating digital twins and didn't even know it. We didn't use that term for it back then. So after spending about a decade in that realm, I uh, spent another eight years in the uh, project controls and program management space. And prior to that, I spent, I did an 18 month stint in the VR and the AR world. So when you tie all of this together, when you tie software and AR, VR and program controls and project management, you actually end up with a digital twin. And this has been a passion for many, many years. And now it's actually reality. We can actually create these models. Let me back up. It's not a model. A digital twin is all about the data and making sure that we gather all the data and then we can ask a question of the data. So, and GAFCON Digital, we're a uh, business line in a, in a family-owned PMCM firm out of San Diego and have had a number of different clients over the years. We've got one that we've had for over seven years and have done, I don't know, 160 projects for them scattered across the globe. 
think and I think we're in 21 different countries now with these guys and um, 22 is going to be a very interesting year we see um, we see this thing taking off like a shuttle launch it's it's just it's amazing what we see coming so thanks for having me Matt it's going to be a fun conversation as they usually are aren't they yeah mm -hmm. so go uh, Liverpool <laughs> go Reds uh, we, we, you and I have been talking about the digital twin um, for a couple of years now. Yeah. You made reference. You, you, you kind of used me in 22 years ago in that breath. I was not. I did not know Chris 22 years ago. No, we didn't. But that goes back. I mean, we've known each other eight, ten years almost, maybe. No, yeah. maybe maybe five to six, somewhere in there. Yeah. When did I start? Yeah, that's right around there. Yeah. But, uh, digital twin has been a, a, a common conversation that you have, uh, you and I have had. Even when uh, when you were with eBuilder, in our worlds, we're purely just on project and program management, uh, and I should say the the historical understanding of project mm -hmm. and program management. I clarified that because this digital twin conversation will will kind of bridge that gap a little bit. But let's let's bring the listeners uh, back a little bit, not too too far. Cause I mean. People have been talking a lot about digital twin. There, there is a a better understanding of of what it is. But um, you know, talk talk. Tell me why why people need to be paying attention to this. Why people need to be mm -hmm. not just understanding it, but thinking about ways that they can move themselves towards uh, uh, creating one or utilizing one. Well, what's what's interesting about a digital twin is everybody. There's like a zillion different definitions of what a digital twin is. And we're, we come at it from a bit of a different perspective. I mean, for, from our perspective, a digital twin, as I said earlier, is all about the data. You know, you wanna be able to collect all, let, let's use a building, a construction project for a building. You wanna collect all of the data that's being used to build a facility. So you want to know, you know, you want to collect the metadata for all the different pieces. And I'll, and I'll explain what, where I'm going with this. And you want to be able to, you want to be able to look at the data in a way that you can say, I want to be able to ask a question of all of this data and get an answer back from it. It's like, it's a use case. You know, for instance, um, you, you have all the data on a building and you want to know how the air, the AC system is operating. So you could ask that question of the data and it will come, the answer will come back to you. Now, does the answer come back to you as a dashboard with a bunch of gauges on it or KPIs? Or do you want to look at the data or do you, do you want to look at the answer in a 3D model of that particular facility? I mean, one of our clients came to us and said, here's the use case, Chris. We found a water leak in the roof in the ceiling in room 710. How do we turn that off? How do we how do we turn off that water valve that valve that's that's leaking? You know, the that's attached to that pipe that's leaking. Well, from our perspective, you know, okay, we have all of the data for the building. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna pull up the seventh floor, we're gonna zoom in on room 710, we're gonna overlay all the water piping and figure out okay which of these potential which of these pipes could be leaking trace those pipes back to the valves that are attached to them 
in those valves, if you were to touch the valve, it'll give you all of the metadata about the valve. And one of those pieces of information is who has the authority to turn this darn thing off. <laughs> so instead of sending somebody out and going, oh, it's that valve, it's no. Before you, you look at it prior and say, okay, this is the highest level of authority that's needed, send this person out and have them diagnose the problem. Yeah. But again, it's a 3D model that has all of the data in it. All the different layers, all the metadata. I mean, our models, we actually censor the physical world. And that live real-time sensor data is being fed into the digital twin. So it's not just a uh, like a rebrand of, the, of BIM? No, no, no. This is, this is BIM on Superman steroids. <laughs> I mean, when, when, we, when we pull one of these, when we do this, we could integrate, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 different software environments. I mean, we're a di we call ourselves a digital twin systems integrator. We don't, we're, we're software agnostic. We only work for owners, but, and we don't sell any product. We're an integrator. We, we bring all the pieces together and we, we're almost like an orchestra, a, um, a conductor in an orchestra. We're making sure that everybody's doing their job correctly. I mean, one of the biggest paradigm shifts here is in the past, an owner says, hey, I want to build a hospital. They go to an AE firm. The AE firm comes up with a design intent model, and the owner goes, that works. Then that model gets thrown over a wall to a GC who starts modeling. He gives it to all the subs, and the subs stop doing all their modeling, and now you've got 20 different models of various pieces of the puzzle. We have a, it's a paradigm shift. There's one model, it's the owner's model, and everybody works in the owner's model. Now, doing that, thank you, yep, in, <laughs> you get it. And in doing that, you end up virtually prototyping the entire building. You find every single mistake before you ever break ground. Yeah. We, we did this with one of our clients and they had a 95% reduction in RFIs in the first 45 days. Thank Easily. you. Yep. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I know we, we were working with a customer that, um, that had an environment that allowed um, all stakeholders to participate in the design phase. So at the mm -hmm. end, you had a, had a, a, a we're not going to call it a perfect design. No, no such oh. thing exists. Mm -mm. But a better, more constructible design. And uh, because of that, uh, they were actually able to, um, this was a, a, a civil project. So they were able to move uh, underground utilities, <clears throat> I think, three to four months ahead of schedule, which actually meant they did it prior to permafrost. So before the winter hit, <laughs> yep. a, a, a measurable cost savings. So forget about yeah. the time, but it was the cost savings because their historical uh, time for design um, design changes would have put them into the winter. But because yep. of the collaboration that happened in a one model environment, a common data environment, that was uh, that, that was one of the benefits. And like you just said, what, what, how, what was the per percent reduction in RFIs? Nine, 95. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, what's what's interesting is that you're able to. Um, so you, 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 you create you virtually prototype the facility, you end up with the in state model 
everybody agrees on it. It's like, okay, that's the model. We're all going to build to this model. And then once construction starts, we start laser scanning the facility yeah. as it's being built. And we're comparing the laser scans, one to the original, to the completed state model, because everybody agreed on that one, yeah. looking for mistakes in the physical world, catch the mistakes early. But then we're also comparing the scans to the prior scan to do progress measurement of the work that's being done. And we can automatically pay the subs. Yeah. So fast, faster time on the cycles yeah. there. Cool. So, all right. Um, some of the feedback I hear is that this sounds great. So it's probably just for big mega projects, right? You know, here's who, right now I'll tell you who's, who's leaning into this. It's the early adopters. It's, mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the organizations that have um, a vast real estate portfolio. And one of the interesting things that we're finding is that I, I saw a statistic before the holidays that said that I think the number was 95% of all the buildings that are going to be built have already been built. So a lot of this is, um, it's a brownfield project. So it, you, you come at it from a bit of a different perspective, but then for a new build, um, if you're gonna build something today and you don't build a digital twin, yeah. um, I'm gonna be a little harsh. You should be fired because, <laughs> what's, because here's, here's what's gonna happen. In, in the next five years, the amount of buildings that have a digital twin of them is going to skyrocket because people are going to start, these owners are going to start creating campuses. They're going to create twins of their campuses because the benefit to them, it, it, the real benefit of a digital twin is to the facilities and maintenance teams. Yes, you're going to have savings up front, the cost savings and such, and, this, and the reduction in RFIs, but the ability to give a facilities and maintenance team a 100% accurate, fully contented, fully censored 3D model of what they have to look after. It's a, it's a mic drop. It's like, come on. Yeah, like even you think about if if we if we had this technology, I'm going, I'm stretching this a little bit, right? Yeah. But if we had this technology, I don't know how many 60, 70 years ago, the problem that we have right now, one of the problems that we have right now with our infrastructure and the lead service lines. Is that we have no freaking clue where they are. <laughs> yeah, and we would know. And if there, if this was harnessed back then, they would because so so the so a good I don't know what the percentage of the cost is, but a good chunk of the of the cost to replace lead service lines is finding them. Finding it is is determining whether or not they're they're, they're there or not. Yeah, and, and replacing them is is straightforward, right? Like. Cut that off, put new one in, and away you go. It's finding them. So this isn't that. That's like I told you. It's a bit of a stretch yeah. of, a, of an example, but like what if? And who knows the the things that we're building with now? Mm -hmm. Fifty years from now, we might be like, oh, hey, that was a bad idea. We shouldn't be using that anymore. We need to replace that. And if there is the there is the technology in place, and we have we have a a uh, easy way of geolocating all of that. Which I think is the is is the important part of a digital twin is that it's not oh, only totally. it's not only a representation but it's geolocated. Now exactly. We're, now no, we're it's, talking. It's, 
it's all geolocated every single piece i mean and and we actually end up geolocating not just an individual building but we ended you know an entire campus so you know figure it out from a wayfinding perspective or even one of the use cases that's popping up right now is um, first responders can you imagine being able to give the first responding team that shows up at a fire a full-blown digital model of your facility with everything in it yeah show them and and they know what's going on inside the building when they yeah. get there and, yeah. exactly and it's and it that's just one use case but you know I, we, we we talk about this data piece you know it's 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 not it's it's tying into the bms the building management system it's tying into the asset management system trying to you know be able to do predictive maintenance so collecting all of the sensor data and then being able to do analysis on all the data that you've got i mean like i said earlier some people may just need a dashboard but then you know the model may be sitting in a facilities and maintenance ops center just slowly rotating on a screen and all of a sudden a red light pops up and it starts blinking and then it's okay open the model up what's going on wait a minute steve's office is run is running hot yeah well why is steve's office running hot the, yeah. was he cold and just cranked up the, the the thermostat or is the air handling unit that's supposed to be drump, dumping cool air into his office did it just finally give up the ghost and you could actually click on that air handling unit and it'll tell you how it's operating yeah Smart. Yeah. Smart. Um, okay. So you had mentioned greenfield, brownfield. So the greenfield opportunities are are obviously um, yeah. easier to implement, right? Because it's starting from whatever. So what's what what's being done for digital twins on on the brownfield side of things? How you are people? The, you know, the brownfield. I I won't say. Let's say. Let's put it this way. The brownfield is quicker. Okay, greenfield, you got to start in the planning and design and work all the way through the build process. So, you know, that can take, pick it, 20 months, 20, you know, however long that period is until the building is occupied and the twin goes live. Brownfield's mm -hmm. a little different. Um, we just, we go in and laser scan the facility, create a Revit model from the laser scans, and depending on who the client is, we'll create Revit families of all different pieces inside the building. So, so as you as you're working on the building, you got, for instance, a men's restroom. Why would you re? Why would you design seven different men's restrooms? Or why would you design it seven times? Come on, guys, design it once, copy and paste, and put it on each floor that's the kind of you know this that speeds all of this up but what when you do a laser scan and you have um you've created the revit model it's a dumb model there is no metadata in any of the pieces which mm -hmm. you would which you would have if you had started in a greenfield you'd have all that yeah. data so now the question becomes diving into um the building management system or the cmms and you know the asset management system and saying okay we have this piece where is it in the building and then tie it to and then yeah. tie tie them all together so it takes so a it, yeah so it's not like it to be a bit more strategic with with something that's already been built you have to say this is what i want out of it as opposed to a a, a new build you could be a bit more you uh, take it all 
you yeah you can take everything and every anything and everything yep uh, and then just pick and choose what you want but when when you're looking at all right this building is 40 years old um i just really need uh, i need everything about the hvac system and yep. you're going to go in you'll do the scan but then you can got, kind of go in and you start to so essentially you start to add uh all of that metadata in correct we so, had a we had a client who has um well we're talking to a client, let's put it this way, who has a historic building. It actually happens to be at the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard. They cannot touch the exterior of this building. They cannot, because it's on the historic registry, which is a total pain in the butt. But so what they're gonna do, and it happens to be a huge high bay building, they're gonna go inside and build another building inside of it on stilts so it doesn't touch anything that's funny that's funny keep keep the it'll sort of literally be a facade exactly totally but yeah. from a brownfield perspective you know and especially if the building is a recent build some of the data may exist yeah you know and so it's it's not it's you know it's a five to ten month process maybe we're not too sure right now it just depends on the complexity of the building and what you want you know out of the model so it's 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 much quicker than a greenfield build but it's can be a little expensive to get all the metadata so you need to just you need to pick and choose what you need to see or what you want to be able to access i guess from a metadata perspective cool all right so if if we haven't geeked out yet okay i'm about to bring us down like a major geek corridor um, cool. so we keep saying metadata and I'm now uh -huh. my mind going meta, meta, meta universe, metaverse. Uh -huh. uh, so, so <clears throat> how does all this in your mind, or even in GAFCON strategy, how does this fit into to the metaverse? Oh, dude. Okay, so in our in our in our realm, our you've got to have a visualization environment. Okay, so I was talking about building the Revit models. Well, you can't interact with a model. You can't really interact with a Revit model. It doesn't work that well. So we actually drop our our models into um, a gaming engine. We actually happen to use Unity. And now the model is if it's a video game. So I can walk through the front door. I can touch the elevator and ask, you know, elevator, you know, Oh, this is a Schneider and Sons. It was installed on this date. Here's the here's all the um, historical um, maintenance data on it, or whatever you want. But it's not. It goes deeper than that. I mean, so you've got a facility in a or a building in a gaming environment. Well that gaming environment can be vast it could be an entire campus you know um i don't know okay let's pick a university let's say it's usc i'm just making something up i can't think fast enough but okay we've got every single building at usc we have a digital twin of it that's actually a metaverse the usc metaverse um and for a client you might have buildings scattered across the US or the globe. Well, you could have the buildings geolocated across the globe in your in your own private metaverse. 
So that's that's in my mind that's the law that's the end game here is creating an in, a metaverse for the individual client and that in, that includes all of their facilities and that's trust me that's a long term play. Well, you can think just for like a, a, a municipality that you know yeah. if you have a, a city and let's just go as simple as like their their water lines exactly and mm -hmm. and, and 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 again. Kind of, all right, let's let's go. So we talked about a leak in room 17 or room 917, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So now we say, hey, there's a um, there there's a, um, a a water main, or 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 even better yet, um, is that the the pressure uh, at this line is starting to increase. Therefore, we need to release pressure, uh, and we can do that. Whatever you know, wearing an Oculus or something. Uh, yeah, something you could. Yeah. And that, or I'll you know, the, the triple pop plug or in the XR10 and be able yeah. to, to put that in and be able to to click on it and and either either hit or hit the release valve. And I know that there are technologies that kind of already do this, but it doesn't necessarily yet feed a model that is being detected um, and and can be managed that way. And then I think it all feeds into AI. And then we don't even need people to manage this type of stuff for us. Be like, oh, that needs to go. That 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 pressure is going high. Release that pressure. Or there is a leak here. Shut off that valve. It'll do it. I actually, I actually had a um, a gentleman from the Navy ask me a question one time. He goes, Chris, so if I've got a paint booth. And it's all you've 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 digitally twinned my paint building and the paint booth, the particulate air level in the air inside the paint booth reaches a certain level. Are you telling me that your digital twin will vent the paint booth automatically for me? I'm like, yeah, that's an that's an if then statement. Yeah. You know, the the particulate sensor says, hey, I hit this level, vent the darn booth. So yeah. it's and these are sensors. This is all stuff that exists right now. This is this isn't none of this is new capabilities or new technology. This is we just figured out how to knit all this stuff together, and nobody's we can't find anybody else that does it, <laughs> which is cool for us. You know, we yeah. we we see that we're actually the first person through the door, which from a sales guy, from a, from my perspective as a sales guy, dude, I'm I'm loving it. So we'll finish this by bringing it. Uh, Back to the beginning, in terms of the uh, of the assets lifecycle. So when it comes to the, the I just want to kind of because this is really going to be the uh, I think the impetus for why owners and contractors need to, to to push this right in terms of the how will it benefit them. So mm -hmm. uh, 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 owner in terms of cost savings and contractor in terms of of um, you know, making more money or or being able to complete things faster so they can do more. Um, where 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 are the benefits of the digital twin for for both of those uh, stakeholders, the the owner and the contractor, and if you if, if if and even the designer engineer. Well, the owner from the owner's perspective, they end up with. In the past, the owner has not retained the data. Mm -hmm. And they because they've never asked for it. Now we've, like I said earlier, we've changed the paradigm. We've to, we're telling the owner you need to take control of this project. 
you're not just going to throw it over to an AE firm and then to a GC firm. You're going to take control of this. You're going to tell them it needs to be, this is the data we're looking for in this level of detail, et cetera, et cetera. It's contractual. Now, what it does is all of the other players, the general contractors and the AE firms and the subs, they have the data. They're just not giving it to the owner because the owner never asked for it. But once the owner asks for it and has access to it, now the owner can ask the questions of the data and get the information that they want. How does it help the GCs? I think it helps the GCs because um, it's more of a straightforward construction process. This is not, this isn't, let me rephrase it, it's not construction, this is manufacturing now. Hmm. Yeah. Because, because now, you know exactly how this is all supposed to fit. You've got all the Lego bricks, just start putting them in place. And you're gonna find out very quickly if there's a mistake because you're laser scanning it every however many days. Yeah. You know the difference is like I always say I always think that the contractor is has a has a um a stronger hold on the art form of building. Mm -hmm. Uh so so it's like, hey, they've designed this building. All right, now go build it. And then they look at the ground, they look at the the the, the surroundings, and they're like, you can't do it that way because there's an art, there's a bit of an art to it. They're just able to apply their art in the virtual environment early on. Yes. So they can, as, a, as opposed to the costly, like redesign, bring that back, or even worse, tear it down because you have to do it, you know. Oh, and, it's been, and it's been done that way for so many years. And, and that's one of the things that we're bumping into. And we know that we're, you know, what's the old phrase? We're upsetting the apple cart. You know, you, you, you pick the euphemism you want because, um, and luckily what we're finding is that the, and I'll call them the new kids, the young, the younger generation, they're open to this, th these new, these new capabilities and technologies to, to do stuff. You know, I mean, there are a bunch of old dinosaurs around here that, um, are, are holding on with with a death grip onto the onto the way things have been done for the last 60 70 years and we all we all look at the stats and know that it's not it wasn't the best way to do things and we're just we're here to just explain that guys there's a better way to do this you yeah. know and and it, it's and it's not we're not taking anybody's job away from or in anything we're making their job safer we're actually making it more efficient. Yep. And we're built and we're setting it up for um, the the new generation that, you know, because if you think about it, in 30 years, there'll be digital twins of everything. You know, and 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 you'll be able to understand that, you know, what's going on inside your building. I mean, we've got a client right now that has a massive campus, you know, like 50 buildings. And what they set up was they took every single one of their air hand, the air conditioning systems, the cooling, everything on this on the roof of the different buildings, and tied it all into a fleet. So now they're able to see how the fleet is performing as a fleet, but also individually against each other. We've got clients have decided, look, I know how much energy my building's using because I got the meter and I'm paying the bill. 
yeah. but I don't know how it's being used inside the building. Yeah. Our digital twins can tell them where the energy draw, how the energy is being used inside the building. Yep. I wish I had that for my hot water heater. <laughs> it should be gas, right? Yeah, uh, it should be. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it's and the crazy and here's the one of the things we've had to tell our clients is like guys listen we're only limited by your imagination these these model we you know it's if you have all of the data you can ask any question it's like you're coming up to the wizard of oz and asking what question do you want to ask the great and mighty oz well i want to know how how the air conditioning handling units are working on the seventh floor. Are they all doing what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah. Oh, nope, this one's running a little, or or you put, you know, you've got vibrometers on your pumps. Hey, we're getting some strange readings off of this particular pump on this floor. Let's go take a look and see what's going on. That's awesome. And well, this yeah. is great. This conversation has been fantastic. And I'm sure you and I will have this conversation 13 more times before the end of, uh, by the end of this next, next quarter. But, yeah. um, so I, I just want to thank you number one for coming on, but I want to thank Gafcon for, 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 you know, joining us in this, uh, crusade of, of, of pulling people along and, and grabbing those early adopters. And it, it, it is, you know, we, we work, in, in an amazing industry. Um, and a lot of times people are like, oh, it's really, you know, bad efficiencies and negative connotation. We work in an amazing industry that that builds and provides for every single person on this planet. Yep. And it's next evolution is, we're, we're in the midst of it. Um, but it takes people like you and organizations like Gafcon and Trimble and, and others yeah. to, to, to bring people towards the light so to speak, uh, and show them the value. So I, I applaud uh, Gafcon for, for all that they're doing uh, and, for, and, and for coming on here and, and sharing this information. So Chris, thank you so much. It's always a, a pleasure uh, having a chat with you. Well, thanks, Matt. And you know, one of the crazier pieces is that we've actually are pitching the Navy. Think of it this way. Think of a vessel, a ship, is just a building laying on its side that floats. So we're actually pitching the Navy on building digital twins of their ships. Yeah, that'd be neat. I mean, and I also told them, you know, what's a vessel? Is it a spacecraft? What's a what's a ship? I mean, what's a what's a building? Is it a lunar colony? I mean, the only way you're going to be able to do these stuff stuff on the Moon and Mars is you're going to have to work, you're going to have to do digital yeah. twins of them first. So that the the Starship Enterprise and the the, the holodecks. I want a holodeck. The Jupiter 2 from Lost in Space. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. Thanks, bud. It's been a total pleasure. We'll Absolutely. do this again whenever you want. Yeah, and thank you all for 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 uh, tuning in and checking out this episode. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode of the Connected Construction Podcast.